0: This episode is brought to you by Warthead 4, A Day in the Country. Critics are calling it a return to form for the Warthead series, and Siskel and Ebert give it two thumbs up, with Roger Ebert describing it as pure art with much more elaborative kill factor. See Warthead 4, A Day in the Country, this Halloween weekend.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with subgenres. I am one of your hosts, Devon Taylor. Sitting with me, as always, I got Mr. Garrett McDowell. And it's me, the other host of the Spectre Cinema Club. He is here. We are here. Um, uh, we are in week two of uh, Decomber. Um I figured it out finally. I was like, <laughs> De-
0: I was like Decomber.
1: <laughs> decomber. That's what we're going with. We know um not all theme names can be smooth, but Yeah.
0: Th- this one's a little decombersome, if you don't mind me. Saying, oh, so. <laughs> uh,
1: there we go. There we go.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, excited uh, to get uh, to con- mm, excited to continue on with this one and uh, we do have a guest uh back for this one he is the host of the chasing Chalamet podcast welcome to the show mr Dane McDonald
0: hi guys how are you I am excellent good to have you on good to meet you as well
1: and uh, and another fellow and another fellow midwesterner heard you guys uh while I was getting myself situated. We got yeah, to sh- get that sh- connection sharing the,
0: the local references and <laughs> geographically <laughs> where each other are at. So, yeah, it's good to have a, another Midwestern pal on. That makes it. that we got like a triple Midwestern thread up in here. <laughs> yeah, We do. Yeah. I f- equal representation.
2: We got like Indiana. I'm in Chicago now. Devon, you're from St. Louis. Yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yep. I was born in Michigan. I feel like we're just like covering
1: the gambit like we have, we got it all. We got the yeah, we got the main little line going, the little the little Midwest trio there, because uh, I say our three states are the true Midwest. Like, I mean, yeah, like uh, Ohio, they count two, Um and like uh, Iowa above us and Arkansas. But like for real, like when I think Midwest, I'm like Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, those like little that little trifecta. That's that's the Midwest to me.
0: Yeah, I don't want to yeah, include totally. Ohio, but I guess geographically we kind of have to, so. <laughs> hey,
1: we get, we got to include Ohio. Shout out to our uh, friends of the show, Harmony and BJ Colangelo. Uh, we love the Ohioans <laughs> over here. Um, but um, I'm excited to continue on uh, talking uh, DCOM's Disney Channel original movies. And Dane, I brought you on because I listened to uh, the episode of Screen Drafts, where you guys uh, drafted the seven best uh, Disney Channel original movies. Uh, with I uh, I won't spoil the the number one pick uh, for people to go back and listen to that one because it's a delight of an episode. Um, but uh, what, what do uh, decoms mean to you? Like uh, what what do you think makes them so magical? I mean, I think it just it's really what Disney is all
2: about, which is nostalgia and comfort and you you kind of know what you're in for. I you know thinking through decoms in general and watching, uh, the DCOM that we're discussing today, I was thinking a lot about how DCOMs kind of fall in this, not a uh, subgenre as in like similar themes, but the similar comfort watches that like your Christmas Hallmark movies or your Lifetime movies might fall into, there's mm-hmm. something consistent in tone about them that I think is very like warm and comforting to people. Um so yeah I just think like in revisiting them you're and I think we'll get into this as we discuss the film today but like you can't really grade dcoms and critique them on the same level you would mm-hmm. like a theatrical a theatrically released like film of and, like whether it's like an Oscar baity thing or like a summer blockbuster release like you you kind of have to grade dcoms on the dcom scale because what they're reaching for is something different than what those films are doing. So there's something about a DCOM that just feels like a warm hug and they can be very seasonal. Like obviously the ones we're talking about uh, that you're talking about for December are a little scarier. You've got your kind of holiday classic ones. Um yeah they just kind of seem to run the gamut in and theme and genre and you just kind of know what you're in for you're going to get a happy ending you're going to get some laughs you're going to get some very mediocre probably canadian child talent acting um yeah it's just you just you know what you're in for and it's it's just it's nice and it's comforting
0: yeah, it is interesting uh watching these uh in a row and and realizing that they all scratch a similar itch and then there's also kind of the fun game of like what what plot points are going to pop up in a lot of them or what are like kind of the common tropes or themes uh, that we've at least found in the two movies that we're discussing today, as well as like just some of the other films, you know, that uh, we're aware of that we won't be covering this month. But yeah, this has been a real joy kind of diving into these movies. And, and for this, this was not a nostalgic watch for me because I'd never seen this movie before. This was uh, completely fresh for me. Um, Part of that is because this is not necessarily, like, a hard movie to find, but for certain, like contractual reasons uh this movie doesn't get replayed as much especially in like a modern sense mm-hmm. um, so we'll definitely be diving on into that but it was fun kind of uh uh watching this through a completely fresh perspective rather than some of the other movies that we'll be talking about this month which uh were uh, rewatches for me yeah we'll get the the fresh adult eyes
1: uh from you because i mean you yeah, know that is also the magic of these movies too like yes they are obviously on disney channel aimed at children but these are movies uh, made to, you know, for kids to be able to watch with their parents, and the parents enjoy them too, you know, so it's like it, it does still have like uh, the appeal for adults, and I, I like how you said, Dane, there's like a consistent tone uh, kind of throughout them, and you know, obviously that's kind of why we included them as a quote-unquote subgenre uh, to kind of talk to, because yeah, there is like very much a consistent tone, uh, consistent structure, um, as we are talking under wraps, which is uh, the first uh the the official first uh disney channel original movie and uh it also did very much kind of set the tone and the template going forward uh funny enough that we watched this one after mom's got a day with the vampire because i mean mom's got a day with the vampire goes okay so let's take what we did under wraps let's move a couple things around uh and then we're gonna do it again and like that's kind of what they did so it's uh funny but i'm actually glad that we watched the other one first so that way we weren't just having that constant comparison but um but yeah the the consistent tone consistent uh template uh kind of there is uh, is very comforting and it's uh it's all reliable and that's why uh it worked so long for uh for Disney Channel so let's go ahead and uh, get into the movie for today's episode Under Wraps released October 25th 1997 Directed by Greg Beeman. Written by Don Reimer. With a score by David Michael Frank. Uh, not to be confused with da- Jason David Frank. RIP to a legend. Gotta shout him out. Um, and uh, the cinematography done by Mark E. Gray. And this was edited by Norman Holland. Uh, again, uh, we don't have uh, the same box office and uh, Rotten Tomatoes information that we would for regular films. Um, but the letterbox average is at a five just underneath uh, that little that that freshness there, um, it, yeah. And um, as far as uh, some of the subgenres that we're gonna be looking at, we got you know obviously family-friendly horror. We got some uh, neighborhood shenanigans going on. Uh, obviously, got a mummy running around, and uh, we even got some neighborhood urban legend stuff to kind of get into. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Dane, why did you uh, pick this movie to talk about today? I picked under wraps first and foremost because
2: uh, "Don't Look Under the Bed" was already taken, um, and that to me is like the the decom I remember. Um, but there is also something about it being the first decom that I think is really cool. Um, you alluded to it a little bit in the preamble, but we did have, I believe, what were called like Disney Channel premiere movies or something like that. Uh, so this was kind of when they branded as the decom. So there's kind of something fun and official about that it's also just one I remember so this came out like you said in 97 so I was five years old Um, I don't know if I've seen it since I was five six seven eight years old so there was something uh, interesting about revisiting it from that perspective Um, and I just you know much with how like the design of the boogeyman and don't look under the bed stuck with me the design of Harold the mummy has stuck with me since i was little even though i have not revisited this movie since i was little like i can just see the, the 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 practical effect that they did um so yeah i just i wanted to talk about that i wanted to revisit it especially because i think um especially once disney plus came out and we kind of had all these dcoms at our fingertips on demand i think a lot of the ones that get rewatched um are kind of the seasonal, your Halloween Town, your Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, some of the Christmas ones, perhaps. And I feel like this one kind of gets a little short drift. And, I, and I'm and I'm interested to hear why you guys might think that is. I don't know if maybe, like, the nostalgia hit is kind of maybe for people who are maybe too old to kind of be, like, you know, beating the drum for these older DCOMs. Like, maybe it's more when we're getting into, like, because I want to say Halloween Town was, like, 99 or 2000 and then calabar's revenge was pretty soon after that so um yeah i just kind of wanted to a talk about the og the original decom and then kind of dig into one that i just don't think gets the the respect or the um cultural appro- uh re-appreciation that others might be getting now that they're all in disney plus and uh to go back to what you were saying like this one isn't on disney plus so it's not easy to find so we kind of got to let people know it is out there to see
1: Yes, it it is on YouTube, guys. So, um, it, it very hard. Uh, one of the few decoms that's not on there. I don't know if it's because of something with the remake uh, that they did, or what have you. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, yeah, we will kind of get into um a little bit more of you know why it's a, a not um not as highly regarded or uh in the consistent rotation as some of the other ones. Uh, Garrett, how was uh, your first time watch?
0: Uh, first time watch was enjoyable. Um, I really dug this one. Um, I could see why this would be a Halloween staple for like a certain chunk of people, uh, a certain demographic of people. This was just before my time, uh, about a year before. Um, and I just don't quite remember this one being replayed as much. Like this is always a movie that I think I was aware of, but I just never caught for whatever the reason is. Um, I, don't, I, I don't have this confirmed, but there seems to be a reason why this is not on Disney plus and it is because there's some television it has to be aired during certain times and it can't be on Disney Plus when that is happening so I don't really know if this is just a contractual thing to where it's like yeah this contract will run out in 2026 and then it'll be on Disney Plus I'm not really too sure maybe that's also why they they remade the movie um, I also have not seen the remake so I'm curious to see how that stacks up uh, especially for some under wraps diehards uh, but this was really charming um, I think it's familiar to where it covers some territory and just some plot points that I thought were were nice and nostalgic and and simple um, it's also funny, again, to kind of watch this, having just watched uh, another Disney Channel original movie about a precocious young kid who loves horror movies and, like, finding kind of the similarities between them, both being children of divorce. We get to cover that again. <laughs> um, and then uh, the big lesson of the movie is also kind of about, like, letting go and realizing that it's okay for your mom to marry and date somebody else, you know? It's funny to kind of to notice those uh, similarities there. I wonder if, like, the whoever was producing these movies at the time was maybe... Be going through something. I'm not really sure, uh, but this was a, a real delight. I actually had a lot of fun with this.
1: Yeah, this one is uh, this one is really uh, fun. It just uh, it's very sweet. It's a very sweet, warm movie to watch. Like uh, fucking Harold the Mummy is adorable, which is hilarious because because uh, like Dane said, like the design always stuck out to me, and like this was one I didn't watch as a kid all that much because like the design actually scared the shit out of me. Um, for uh, you know, it wasn't until uh, you know, a couple years later with Brendan Fraser's The Mummy that um, that I was like, OK, like I'm not as like freaked out because that had like put the more action spin on. It, but like, I don't know, for some reason I do. I do distinctly remember, um, you know, like the you know uh, uh, visions of Harold and like it creeping me out as a kid. So I know that's why I didn't watch it as much. Uh, Mummies, for some reason, growing up, uh, did creep me out a little bit more than other monsters. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, you know, similarities aside from, uh, Mom's Got Day with the Vampire. But again, it's the other way around because Mom's Got Day came out uh, afterwards. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. This one has, you know, again, it has, you know, we got kids on bikes doing bike kid shit, wearing um, helmets too, being safe, wearing helmets. You don't see that a lot. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, and, and, you know, and I love the, um, yeah, let's, you know, we're running around trying to hide the thing, um, you know, from, from the adults and, uh, all the little, just like, you know, funny scenarios. And like, and this very much is, um, you know, uh, some parts of the movie can kind of feel like a series of just like, you can feel the writers going, okay, what would be funny? The mummy doing blank, the mummy in this setting, you know, and. Um, and so we get like a lot of the visual humor from that but this movie the dialogue is actually really hilarious too they get this movie's got some jokes um that I was uh that I was very pleased with and uh yeah you know the the chemistry from the kids was really great um you know I really bought them as uh, this trio um and uh and again like you know kind of having the 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 very uh, witty um, lead protagonist kid. I talked in the last episode how I've always you know gravitated towards these characters. Um, and and one thing I noticed in a lot of Disney Channel original movies always the short Kings. Disney Channel uh, decoms were trying to lift up the short Kings. It was always uh, a little short boy with uh, his um, tall girl crush um, in in these movies. <laughs> so glad to see that trope popping up in uh, this as well. Um, But yeah, um, as far as like, uh, yeah, the, uh, I really dug the, the, you know, kids having this urban legend about Mr. Kubot and all the different things that they think and, and obviously, you know, he does end up, but this is like one of the ones where I was like, typically in those movies, it's like, oh, he's not that, he's not bad. He's actually really nice. But in this one, it's like, no, he actually is really uh, bad and evil or whatever and doing his, his uh, artifact scams. Did, did they really think kids cared about tax evasion in this movie?
0: <laughs> um. I let out a, talk about like funny moments in this movie. That was really great where he was like revealing his scheme. By the way, the the actor of which is the same actor that portrays the, the shop owner of the, the goosebumps, the, the, the haunted mask episode, the guy that like gives the, the little girl the mask. Anyway, same actor, but uh, he was explaining his scheme and he's like, well, the IRS is after me and they can't be after a dead man. I just thought that that was, you know, uh, that was so silly and very specific.
1: <laughs> Fun, interesting um, you know plot beats um, but then I think also definitely kind of used for comedy in that aspect. Um, before we dig into the movie a little bit more, uh, Dane, are you ready for your 60 second synopsis? I am as ready as I could ever be. All right. this is in case you know you haven't seen the movie in a little bit or of course in this case uh, it is kind of hard to find um and we're gonna give you a quick little refresher so i got 60 seconds on the clock in three two one go okay all right under wraps
2: 1997 dcom you've got our lead character marshall who definitely grows up to be a business school bro uh and he is a fan and lover of horror movies he's got his scaredy cat nerdy best friend Gilbert, who would eventually come out as gay, I'm sure. Uh, and they've got their loyal, trusty lady friend, Amy, who definitely is a 1997 version of a girl boss. Uh, and they kind of are these neighborhood kids friend group and they get together. Uh, they end up in this uh, man, Mr. Kubot's his basement and find a mummy. The moonlight hits the mummy's hand in just the right way to wake him up hijinks ensue. Uh, they come to find out that uh, the mummy that they affectionately named Harold is the high priest to a uh, female mummy who he is in love with And in order for them to be reunited. Oh, gosh, that's going by so fast. Uh, they need to be reunited. Uh, so they have to uh, tax evasion museum guy uh, and they got to get him back in a strip And it's really funny
1: oh, I really thought I had more time there. Oh, my gosh. Now, you, you squeezed it in in that nice three-second chunk. We got we got uh, a nice concentrated uh, finale. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I definitely spent too much time thinking about the ways in which I was going to joke about the personalities of the three children and not about how oh, I was going that, to which get I to the part that, where, they so were, where they were. <laughs> I love that uh, yeah, you weren't I, just I, giving I, us
1: what was in the movie. You were giving us a post-movie afterwards. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I just I, I I you guys were kind of talking a little bit about the dynamic, and I did enjoy the dynamic, and I made a joke earlier about how there's kind of like mid level child talent, which is not a knock. Like that that is the kind of actor who ends up in these movies and when you look at like their careers moving forward. A lot of them don't move forward with acting. For instance, uh, the actress who plays Amy, Clara Bryant, she's now a lawyer, so I don't think if she ever hears this, she's going to be angry at me for saying that, you know, she might not be the Jennifer Lawrence of her generation. That's okay. Um, But, yeah, I just, I, watching their characters, I was just so struck by how um, I loved that Gilbert, he says his favorite movie was The Sound of Music, um, and I loved that, um amy was just sort of like like mean like not even like in a in a redeeming way she was just kind of mean like the whole time uh and that was really interesting uh yeah and then marshall just again uh garrett you you talked about it a bit i feel like the divorced parents to the DCOM were like the dead parents of like the disney renaissance films where there was like always at least one dead parent and then the DCOMs, your parents had to get your parents were had to be divorced and then you had to learn the lesson about why that's okay. So yeah, the the kids of the 90s like they they really were on something. Like there was and as a child of divorce, I get it. So these things definitely rang true to me.
0: We get not only have a midwestern uh, trio in this episode, but children of divorce trio too. Uh, but maybe that's why that these movies covered you know themes like that is because that was a prevalent thing at the time. You know, divorce wasn't yeah. always like a societally accepted thing back in the day. And I don't know, hell, maybe the '90s and early 2000s, you know, that got to be a, a little bit more popular. Uh, and talking about like some of the kids in this movie, you had mentioned that Gilbert is a big fan of uh, the movie The Sound of Music. Uh, I think it's really funny that when he's listing why he likes the movie. He's like, they're singing and dancing and Nazis. It, uh, I don't know, Gilbert. Let's maybe unpack that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, and also uh,
1: Sound of Music being his favorite movie. Yeah, definitely gay. Totally gay. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, but you, you were yeah, talking about...
0: There were dog whistles. There were dog whistles. A little bit. You were talking about um, actors who are in this that would go on to uh, continue to achieve big things. Not uh, Although that some of the actors in the the main group of kids here grew on to uh, you know, continue to do TV and, and, and different stuff like that. I would say the biggest Name out of this, uh, who I was, I was excited to see. He's, he plays dual roles in the movie. Uh, is Bill Fagerbakke, uh, who, if uh, if you're aware of, uh, of voice acting, uh, he is the voice of Patrick Star, uh, and he pretty much does Patrick Star the whole movie. Uh, he plays obviously Harold, but he's also Ted, uh, who is like the soon-to-be stepdad. Um, and this is a, a pre-Patrick Star uh, performance from Bill here, and just hearing him kind of like like the whole movie it's he just sounds exactly like patrick star so if you're not familiar with his face i i would give you about a couple of seconds of mm-hmm. him doing this voice to be like wait a minute is that is that patrick star so it was great to see him here as a big uh spongebob fan myself oh
1: yeah given given a physical acting uh feast for us because uh, I, I i really do mean that too like he's he's very fun like i know you kind of joked like he is doing like like if you close your eyes you would hear Patrick like grunting around like walking like it is kind of very similar uh but he does also like I really like they you know he does a lot with his eyes because they make uh the face like to where he's still able to like give like a lot of expression through the makeup Mm -hmm. um and he he sells it all like he sells it all with all the really the, the funny hand motions you know trying to communicate with the kids um and like the way he like learns things and even like some of the like gags of him being a mummy like the fact that um the first time he does a thumbs up he has to like put his hand into the thumbs up uh, i thought that was really funny so uh yeah. he, he does a lot of really uh small fun things that again you know harold is like kind of portrayed as like a puppy uh, in this, they they talk about him being like a, a pet and, uh, you know, or like even like a little kid in a way um, is, is really fun. I think he uh, actually gives quite a bit of personality to Harold. Like he's very smart. He learns very fast. Uh, we see he's like compassionate. He's got good taste in music. Um, you know, I, I feel like I know Harold more than I know the protagonists in half the movies that come out now, uh, which is hilarious. And they didn't have to do that for the DCOM, but they did. That's what makes them special. They went the extra mile. Oh
0: yeah. And watching this, like, again, I was just kind of impressed about like a lot of the production value in this. Like there's a few like stunts in the movie, like a car crashes through a wall. He like runs through a wall at one point. Um, I, yeah, I was just in watching this as well as the movie last week is like, there's some like cool visual effects in in these, maybe not as flashy or obvious, but for being like a made for TV movie in the, in the late nineties and early two thousands, I think that these movies have a surprising level of, you know, gusto behind them. And they, they hold up. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I say this as
2: someone who. Frequently around Halloween time, we'll rewatch like *Halloween Town* or *Halloween Town Two: Calabar's Revenge*, and I enjoy those movies fine. But there are, you know, even though they were like two, only two, three years later, they already are kind of like going down the visual effects route that just didn't age well you know not in a way that i think is jarring or takes you out of the movie but there is something really delightful about under wraps where you know harold is a like full there's an actor in there he's doing things and you're right uh devon like there's so much great physical comedy and the grunting and the running around and all of the gags and because he doesn't he's not able to speak so much of that storytelling has to be physical especially you know obviously he's interacting with like other characters who can talk with so much everything that he does has to be interpreted through his you know his inflections and his his movements and the way that he is gesturing and i just think that 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 to me is so much more interesting than like you know you know not to not because i love plenty of marvel movies but like i you know i saw thor love and thunder this year and that movie was just Fifty Shades of Ugly and cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make, and nothing in it looked as good as Harold the Mummy. So, like, there's just something Damn. charming about that really bootstraps back to basics filmmaking, and that that makes me seem like I'm talking about, like, the latest A24 release, but I'm talking about under wraps, a Disney Channel original movie. So, it's just, it's just very charming and very fun, and, and you're right, Devon, I think 95% of that weight is lifted by Harold, and I think he makes it just, like, a very watchable fun time
1: yeah and and i said it in the last episode too is like uh i feel like it would be you know in theory it would be easy for you know directors to come in and go okay i'm doing a disney channel original movie and like you know kind of phone it in and like and what i really appreciate is like all these movies like are the the effort is so there like it's so plainly on the screen that you're like no there was somebody that like was actually putting thought into this and like that they are like not treating it like even though we you know we kind of said that we were going to be like kind of talking and rating this movie like you know not on the same scale as a you know quote-unquote regular movie but they didn't see that like they didn't say like oh I'm you know this isn't a regular movie They're like "I'm, I'm I'm making a movie and a movie's a movie you know so um I I very much just appreciate that like uh, you can see it, like you know, like you said, with the sets, with the makeup. Um, uh Garrard even called out, like, we got stunts in this one. Uh, I mean, we we got a like this is a full ass movie, and I I do appreciate that. So, um, so let's get into some of the subgenre things uh, that we got going on here. Um, I named a few uh, at the top, uh, but Dane, what are uh, some of the subgenres that uh, kind of stick out to you in this one? Definitely like the neighborhood kind of
2: trio that you mentioned. I think that that's such like a fundamental part of, of this movie. And, and, and I, I don't know, I don't want to call it like kitty horror because I feel like that almost seems like derivative, but there is something about, you know, those elements and the dynamic between those friends that really does make this movie enjoyable. I mean, obviously I said that I think Harold does a lot of the emotional heavy lifting, but, you know, the kids have a good dynamic. Like we said, they're riding around on bikes, they're wearing helmets. They're going to see like, actually that movie that Marshall and like, so the movie actually opens with another movie. It's very like scream in that way where, um, Marshall, it's revealed Marshall and Marshall and Gilbert are in a theater watching, uh, warthead for, and um, our, our
0: sponsor of the show. Don't we forget? Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely.
2: Yes. Yeah. I, I was, I was contractually obligated to bring that up. Uh, I'll have to <laughs> know. Um, so, and, like, at first I didn't remember that that was a movie within a movie. And I was like, this looks really shitty. I don't remember it looking this shitty. I mean, I know it's a decom, but, like, this looks really shitty. This is on, like, a, hand, like a handheld Samsung recorder. Um, and then it obviously is revealed to be the movie within a movie. But, like, in that scene, a, like, a butcher knife is dropped into a disposal and is spinning around. And the, uh, thought, like the movie dad, who's played by Tim Virtue, who's, like, a character actor who people might recognize... Um, like, almost has his, like, head pushed into, which is, like, a very, there are a lot of, like, very kind of, like, I'll call them risque things in this movie, especially for, like, a 90s decom. Um, so that was pretty dark, but I, I bring that all up to say, like, you know, I love, like, they're kind of movie nerds, and they're horror nerds, and, and Marshall has this, um, you know, in his bedroom, he has all these, like, horror, there's, like, a giant shark on the wall, and he's got, like, a dinosaur head. So I, I love a, like, um, I guess it, I guess I would categorize it maybe as like a coming of age story. Like there's a little bit of Super 8 in there. There's a little bit of ET. Um, I'm a big sucker for that. Uh, as we kind of covered, uh, being a child of divorce from the Midwest. Um, I, I'm kind of like half in the bag with any sort of coming of age story that's like halfway well told. Um, so that's the one that really sticks out to me. And, and I, I thought a lot about how like the trio of Marshall and Gilbert and Amy is very like Harry, Ron, and Hermione from Harry Potter. Like you've Ooh. got like the 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 two guys and the girl, uh, and obviously the dynamics are very different. But like I feel like that's almost like a I don't know if it would be a trope, but like like we were saying like a, a similar theme is that kind of like two guys and a girl dynamic. So I just think all of those are very indicative of the, the coming of age, uh, genre and especially specifically set in a very like suburban, uh, anywhere USA kind of town is like
0: the vibe I get from under wraps.
1: Oh yeah. I, I totally feel that. What about you, Garrett?
0: um this is a a letterbox list waiting to happen but movies about kids who love horror movies and have a lot of it in their bedroom uh we obviously covered that last week uh with mom's got a date with a vampire but it also popped up in salem's lot (laughs) um and that's like a big part of their growth for like at least a couple of those characters is at the end of the movie they're like man maybe i should give up this sort of childish stuff uh but i'll i'll say kids keep your keep your memorabilia might be worth something one day Mm -hmm. um but i would say that this is also a a fish of Water Story uh yeah, this yeah. is ha- having um uh this this mummy just walk around town having lots of you had mentioned Devon like just be put into funny situations uh probably my favorite uh, favorite of which is him going through drive through and he's just kind of like mm, you know his order and the drive through worker understands what he's shout saying shout out to
1: that worker I love that yeah. she was like I got this one scene and I'm going to make the <laughs> most of it shout out to yeah. her you yeah, know
2: but- she she decided her character had seen some shit, and she was like, "She is gonna know exactly what he is saying." I loved that character choice.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a it's a running thing throughout the movie that like a lot of the kids can understand what he's saying, uh, and which mm-hmm. is which is uh, really funny. Um, but this movie also has, which I think is like a very, a very children's movie type idea. But it's the spooky neighbor, you know, like having, yeah. mm-hmm. having the the old crotchety neighbor. You know, you you kick your ball on their side of the fence, and you don't want to go get it. Or if somebody gets it, they have to be dared to go get it, or draw the the short straw, or what what have you. Um. So yeah, this was interesting to have that be at least an element of the movie. Unfortunately, the old man dies, which kind of you know incites the a lot of what we see throughout the film uh but that was fun to to see this kind of you know uh again kind of common themes come in and out of these movies but still feeling warm and nostalgic in a way
1: yeah uh i, I yeah I,
0: I don't know why i couldn't
1: think of like the name or the term fish out of water earlier whenever i like said the long-winded version of um what you said <laughs> e- way easier that's
0: why i'm here devon that's why i'm here <laughs> yeah and, and like you
1: said with uh with the spooky neighbor uh, that is kind of like the subgenre that um I always gravitate towards in these stories when you have, um, you know, uh, uh, a somewhat urban legend within the neighborhood, you know, like everybody has a different story, uh, everybody's heard different things, uh, people make stuff up, like uh, one of my favorite jokes <laughs> is uh, uh, when they're talking about, uh, they're, like, they're like, yeah, uh, so-and-so uh, kicked his thing into his yard, or... um. And then he put a cherry bomb in it and then we haven't seen him since. And then uh, and then the other kid goes, yes, because he moved to Toronto, Uh, (laughs) which I just thought was hilarious. Um, And there's and there's a few of those moments, too, where um, they were like, you know, coming up with these outlandish stories. And one of the other characters points out, like, you know, what the the true explanation of it is. But like, you know, the way that we sensationalize these things just because of, you know, something that spooks us, just something that scares us. Um, So I really like uh, that angle. And then again, like typically a lot of those stories, they go, oh, yeah, no, he's actually like super sweet. Now we're gonna be friends at the end of the movie. And it's like, no, this guy pulled a gun on them at the end of this movie, like straight up. Uh, So it's like, no, this (laughs) guy, uh, you guys were correct in being terrified of this guy. Um, because he was about to kill you over uh, his artifact scam and text. exactly,
0: yeah, he, uh, he, he's he's willing to go through all of this and faking his own death just to escape the IRS. I'm wondering, like, where I, I want to read like the novelization of this movie now. Like, what what kind of tax situation was he in? Like, how many back taxes does this guy have? It's well, got to be that's
1: <laughs> well, and the and uh, Amy's mom even calls it out too, when she's talking, uh, you know, introduces the idea. She's like, "Oh yeah, no, they took all his things because he had all these like back." taxes and i uh i guess uh you know he's got to keep uh his you know artifact scams off the books you know so uh he's uh hiding them w-2s is what he's doing he's a cold-blooded killer is what he is uh, he tried he, he was gonna like he was straight up gonna <laughs> um but yeah where
2: I, where is our like or like mr kuba like origins like where is that like mm, dark mini miniseries where we get like his like his like early days on wall street and then he like comes into possession of of a museum and then that's how he gets to under wraps like i i need that story told yeah
1: some of the movies have a flashback sometimes with these characters but we did not get to see a young Kubot in this one but and and the neighbor always also always is you know mr or mrs and then their last name like because of course they're so scary they don't even have a first name who is this guy (laughs)
0: Yeah, we meet a lot of uh, interesting characters that kind of uh, make up this movie, one of my favorite of which uh, being Leonard, this little kid Leonard, who has a really great read. Uh, He's not in the movie very much, but... (laughs) Um, it's just this kid that carries around a blanket and he gets made fun of uh, fun of it for it Uh, and he says it's not a blanket it's a rag I carry it in case I have to wipe up something which I don't know what that means what does that mean (laughs) the way he reads the line is so funny it is so so funny and I fucking hate kids but for some reason this kid was hilarious what is he wiping up and why does he need to carry around a rag because it happens so often it to your imagination i guess oh god he's like, like
2: our great he's like our greek chorus he just like swoops in when we need information it was just delightful
1: like <laughs> like i'm dying right now because that is literally the single funniest thing in
0: <laughs> <laughs> shout out leonard one time is all i'm saying he oh, really man. carries this movie on his back
1: <laughs> literally asked me in tears so funny <laughs> oh my god but uh yeah the a lot of, a lot of great like little midwest kooky characters um of course we always have the um uh, slightly creepy adult but is friends with the kids character uh who we have in yeah. uh, the the shopkeeper uh the the occult shopkeeper which uh which i do love uh, he's a he's a fun little guy and then of course he like goes on uh the third act adventure with the kids because i mean you got to still have a chaperone you know like uh th- these kids are you know, uh, imagine, uh, you know, back in the day when uh, little kids could uh, exit a movie theater at nighttime. So it's at least 9 p.m. and they just walk home by themselves like it's nothing, you know. Uh, so it's like, yeah, if you want to hang out with the, the uh, owner of the occult shop uh, down the street. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go to his back room with all of his books. It's all good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering if, you know, if Gilbert... The, the you as kind of the the nervous scaredy cat character. If he's going to see Warhead four, you know, has Gilbert seen all of the other movies? Because he's going into part four. I just imagine with all the continuity, he's going to be lost.
1: No, I, I he sounded he sounded like a fan. Or well, oh no, not Gilbert. Maybe not. Gilbert is uh, uh again that that kid that you drag along to like go do all the things. He is uh the Chucky Finster to Marshall's Tommy Pickles in this movie.
0: Good reference. Good yeah, reference. I
1: think I think I think in
2: order to understand the Gilbert Marshall dynamic, Gilbert goes to these movies because Marshall loves these movies because Gilbert is in love with Marshall and wants to stick it out. And because you know, obviously, if you if you want to get into tropes and subgenres, we can talk about the closeted young midwestern boy growing up in love with his best friend. That's a very sub mm-hmm. sub sub genre. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's how I chose to because obviously, yeah he i think there's even a line where marshall's like you missed half the movie or something so like but by the fourth one he should know what he's getting into so he's literally just showing up because he's in love with his best friend even though there is a line toward the end of the no no it's not it's actually it's when he's talking about the sound of music and he after he talks about how much he loves the singing and dancing and nazis though the nazis don't sing and dance he makes it a point of saying that um, he talks about how hot Liesl is in her, like, homemade dress of curtains. And I was just like, Gilbert, honey, you're not fooling anyone, <laughs> but you come out in your own time. We love they and support it, you.
1: They did it twice, too, because in the when they're walking home from the first movie and then, like, uh, Marshall, like, calls them out. And I was like, I was like, one, I was like, hey, look, in 1997, they're showing kids, like, hey, call out your friend's weird shit when they say misogynistic stuff. But then also, now that I'm thinking about, it, I was like, oh yeah, because Gilbert doesn't know how to talk about girls, uh, because he does not care. And yeah. and th- I love also his mom uh, is into role playing of some sort that we never get into. Love that. So uh, he, you know, he obviously grows up in a, a open environment. So yeah, I don't think it is a stretch at all to like you know think that he is uh, exploring this in some way. But then he is, you know, he's also a kid and he's clueless. Like I love how at the end. Whenever um you know Amy and Marshall are having their doorway flirtation and he's like so confused and then he was like oh and they start like making fun of each other which is obviously like you know their love language type deal he goes mm-hmm. oh good I thought there was a thing happening here and it's like. No, yes, Gilbert. There is a thing happening here. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> just
0: say that Harold uh, is not the only thing in this movie being kept under wraps. Heyo, <laughs> Ha zing. <laughs> I
1: think that's going to be the dirtiest joke we get out of these <laughs> Disney Channel original movies. Oh my gosh. Um and then and then yes, and then I do love uh young girl boss uh Amy. I I love her. <laughs> I think she's great. I love um my favorite scene with Amy is uh the scene where uh The kid Todd comes up to her uh, and wants to, like, ask her out, and she's like, not right now, and then he's like, oh, no, no, and then she goes, no, Todd, seriously, no, and then she goes, do not make me hurt you, and the kid goes, oh, okay, bye, Amy, and just, like, sulks away, Uh, I was just like, damn, I was like, she does not play
0: games. Yeah. Todd's a a little fucking creep. He needs to, he needs to get with the program. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that Amy is definitely that, uh, you know, uh, maybe a, maybe a bit of a trope like the, the, the girl who doesn't take shit from anybody hangs out with the boys, you know, isn't like regular girls. But yeah, I thought Amy was a a fun, a fun addition to this trio of the characters that we follow around in this. And I want to emphasize, I fucking hate kids, but again, (laughs) there were two for two now for Disney channel original movies that I like. I don't hate being around these children, which is great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll say I really like these three kids, too, because I'll say even though, yeah, some of Amy's personality might be a little tropey, I think there is still – they still present her in a way that, like, you know, she is not at the behest of these boys. They're not the ones, like, forcing her to, like, come on these shenanigans, like, do stuff. Half the time, she's the one wanting to do them, you know, like, so – and, and she's also, like, not, even though, like, yeah, there, there's, like, the, the crush and the tension between Marshall and Amy throughout, but it's not really played up at all. Uh, it's, it's not like Marshall, like, uh, you know, idolizes her in, like, some weird way. It's like, no, like, they're all friends, and, like, he likes her because they're all good friends, you know, and then it's like he starts thinking about her, like, differently. So, so I do like that Amy isn't, you know, um, an object for the boys. Um, you know, she is her own character and like has plenty of agency throughout the movie. Uh, she's, you know, impro- uh, improvising lies uh, to get him out of situations and stuff. So it's like, you know, a- Amy's, uh, she's doing the things, you know. Yeah, I have a couple. I've got a couple Amy
2: things I want to dig into a bit. So um, so for context, I watched this movie last night and I just rewatched it again, kind of in the background to take some notes and I, last night I was like, wait, Amy just kind of drops into the scene and we're given like no context to how this friendship dynamic. Like we have Marshall yeah. and Gilbert in the movie and then all of a sudden Amy just like sits down at the lunch table with them and is like asking to eat their peaches and like all the. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like where did this girl come from? What is like, what is the dynamic? Is she a bully? Is she their friend? I was really confused. And I realized it's because – No one actually calls her by her name for 16 minutes after she's first seen on screen. (laughs) Wow. And the first person, and, and, and Garrett, I'm not arguing with you. I think Todd's a fuck. Amy says, Todd, you watch Olsen twins movies. How can you respect a man like that? I get it. However, Todd is the first person in this film to call her by her name. So I didn't learn Amy's name until Todd said it. So I'm not defending Todd. I'm just saying for the 16 minutes she was on screen, I did not know this girl's name until Todd brought it to the table. So That's wild. I didn't even I, notice that. Yeah, it's bizarre. It makes me think maybe there's, like, some weird, like, deleted scene where she's, like, introduced more properly. Just because and, – and I agree. I think she's a fun character. I like that she's not – like, just kind of this, like, either, like, a nerdy girl or, like, a super, like, traditional girly girl or something like that, which just so easily could have been a characterization in, in a 90s DCOM or a 90s any movie, really. Um, so I do like that she's kind of got this, like, gusto and this, um, this gumption. Um, but because she has that kind of hard edge at first, I just, I thought maybe she, like, didn't like them and that they were, there was kind of going to be this, like, Dynamic of they weren't all friends and then they were but I feel like as the movie goes on it sort of establishes that they were kind of all friends beforehand um, you, you thought but then it was going to be note,
0: like,
1: a, like an Arnold Olga is what you thought it was going to be Yeah, but, but like
2: like maybe happen. there's Yeah, exactly um, I just want to read a few Choice Amy lines if you guys will indulge me <laughs> Oh, please, um, just, please because there were a few that just really stood out to me as, um, I think that might be like another subgenre, sub subgenre I like to bring up is like movies you didn't understand were like, I don't want to say wildly inappropriate, but certainly towing a line that you didn't understand as a child. Um, so one of Amy's lines, um, I believe this is when Marshall decides to call Harold Harold because it, he looks like his uncle Harold, according to Marshall. In response to that, Amy says, your aunt must be ready to open a vein. Oh. Like, damn, wow. damn, that's cold. That, that is, is
1: cold. cold. Oh man. Um, yeah. So, uh, is she like a grade or two out. older than them? Do you think? I mean, or is it just she's just a foot taller? <laughs> I th- I think there's just that thing of
2: girls hit puberty faster yeah, and get yeah. taller faster. So I think I think they're all supposed to be around the same age. Um. But yeah, like with her height and with these line readings, I'm just like, she is just going to stomp on these boys in in good time. Um, The next one, I can't, I just, I know they're on their bikes in this scene. I can't remember what it's in response to. Uh, Oh, she's making fun of Gilbert for his pajamas and he must say something about her pajamas. And she goes, I sleep in the nude, a very weird thing to hear a child in a movie say.
0: Yeah, and the um, fact that uh, Gilbert crashes his bike as a result of it. <laughs>
2: right. Again, not because he's attracted to her, but just because society has not given him the language or tools to understand that he's not attracted to her, he simply idolizes her as a strong woman. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I won't I won't dig more into the Gilbert uh, queer reading, <laughs> because I, I, I could go on for hours. Uh, and then the next one, this one isn't really inappropriate, I just found it really funny. Um, it's when they're describing what Harold is to uh, the lady mummy, who they give beautiful blue purple eyeshadow, just so you understand that she is a lady mummy, she is not right. a man mummy. Um, just that beautiful '90s like purple eyeshadow uh, that I definitely um, made fun of my stepmother for having when I was a child. Um, she won't listen to this, so it's fine. I can say that. Um, but they are describing who the high priest is and that he must be celibate. And Gilbert asks, "What is celibate or celibacy?" And Amy just turns to him and says. No chicks. And then I believe he <laughs> says something like, I could never do that. Again, Gilbert, we need to update your understanding <laughs> of, of language and culture. But, um, yeah, I just, I was, in watching it, I just, I don't remember those lines. And now that I am a 30-year-old man, I'm, like, sitting here being like, did I need to know that this, I'll generously say, 12-year-old sleeps in the nude? I don't think I needed to know that. But
0: go, go off, Amy. Like, live your truth. Maybe this is the real reason it's not on Disney Plus. It's it's far too adult. <laughs> I mean, it, they. I mean, they've
1: been. That's almost valid because I mean, we saw the whole like uh, drama that they had about like when they were removing like certain scenes out of a movie. And yeah, then, like, so Splash, now they're, they
0: removed a butt. Yeah,
1: so now instead of removing the scenes, they're just like, ah, oh, fuck. We just gotta pull the whole movie. Like fuck. We, like Amy's Amy's coming in too hot in this movie. Uh, just she's on
0: one. Uh, we we gotta tone it down. Uh, yeah, Gil- Gilbert's talking about Nazis And that he's they a reason why He likes the sound of music There's just too much In this movie Yeah you gotta throw it On the bin For like all of the Inappropriate Disney movies You know I mean, Like yeah. Song of the South It's that And then under wraps
1: <laughs> I do I, I really do uh, Think the, the The dialogue in this is, uh, is quite funny There's a lot of really Just like pretty funny lines Again I mentioned uh, the, the whole role playing scene uh, Whenever Gilbert's uh, Mother is uh, Role playing As Esmeralda and uh, we don't know uh, what that means. We're playing
0: with her son for some reason. Not not sure what that's all about. Uh,
1: yeah, and he and then he also later uh makes a comment about uh, not disturbing her when she has tea parties with her like things. Um, uh, yeah. we know what that means. I know what a tea party is. Yeah, um yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 90s guys, you know. Um uh, but uh yeah, there there, there is uh, some some other like really funny stuff. Oh, I love the um, I love the Halloween scene. Uh, Halloween party scene, and honestly, this is where the movie like kind of crescendos for me, because uh, I think the finale is really is kind of boring, um, because again, like that scheme, the the guy's scheme is just too lame. So it's like, uh, but uh, the, this Halloween party scene, uh, classic, we love it. Um, I love, you know, everybody's in costumes, so obviously uh, we have a sweet moment for Harold. He's having a good time because he blends in. And uh, it was, and again, in his favorite song, uh, All By Myself comes on again, and uh, he's, you know, he's living it. Uh, he's having a moment. Um, but then, who's also having a moment is we have, uh, like, you know, again, like the, the little uh, Midwest suburban neighborhood drama going on of, like, basically at some point it's revealed that one lady was having an affair with uh, the other lady's husband, who's the principal of the school. Scandalous. So uh, spicy. Shit coming in. Uh, I, I, so I, I, something again. We probably wouldn't have noticed as much as as kids, but then now that we like know, I'm like, oh shit, that's what's going on. And uh, you know, I, the only thing that would have been funnier is if they had the the bowl with keys, uh, at the table in this. They <laughs> they uh the the Grinch beat them to that one because uh, we're missing the the
0: key party bowl. Yeah, and this is also like a weird time and just copyright to where like I think Disney was just a lot chiller about this kind of stuff. Or in this case, it seems like other companies were chiller. Like there's mentions of Freddy Krueger, literally Ghostface is at the party. So I'm just like, oh wow, great, you know. This it's a little bit more reflective of you know how actual Halloween parties are to where nowadays it's just that's just not really something you see. It Reminds me of like when you watch like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you know, and it's like you got the Looney Tunes and Mickey Mouse in the same screen. It's just like oh what a time you know you don't really see that anymore yeah I mean well there
1: was no money to to like get out of out of this you know so it's not like somebody's got a copyright claim a Disney Channel original movie what are you a monster uh, yeah, so
2: <laughs> kids weren't taking screen grabs of Under Wraps in 1997 and putting them on Twitter and saying look ghosts or. Are- Air, no, not Ghost. Ghostface is in is in under wraps. Like you know, no one would have noticed. Like none of the execs would have seen that and been able to sue. Like they
1: just would have. They wouldn't have known.
0: And I'm continuing to build my case as to why this movie is not on Disney Plus. Maybe that's the reason. <laughs>
1: there, there, I feel like there's like a podcast worth to like do an investigation <laughs> on this. Like, what is the deal? Why are you guys trying to keep under wraps under wraps? That, that'd <laughs> right. be the podcast yeah. title: Under Wraps Under Wraps. Yeah, good one. <laughs> um but yeah i like it but yeah so uh I, re- I really like this uh the halloween party scene and and again like you know the the rest of the movie kind of uh prior before this is uh it's really a string of just shenanigans uh there kind of isn't the, the story i mean there's obviously like the the ticking clock of oh we gotta get him back before the moon at midnight and all those things <clears throat> um which we do get and I, I'm curious, you know, as uh, we we try to figure out uh, Marshall's big lesson out of the movie, because I'll say that is maybe one of the aspects that uh, is lacking in, compared to some other Disney Channel stuff is like, you know, I feel like in other things, they kind of present like, hey, this is like what we're trying to teach the kids, you know, mm-hmm. for this movie. And uh, and we get a little bit of like, um, you know, letting go of old things and. And maybe, like, that that could have been fun if that was, like, you know, also a problem for Marshall. But it's, like, he also had a supportive mom that was, like, ooh, you got, like, a new thing? Like, this one's really real? Like, that's dope. So, it's, like, it doesn't really seem like that was the problem. But then also, like, they're kind of light on the, like, pretty much throughout the movie, they just kind of have him say these, like, quick little lines about being bothered by Ted or like reasons to not, or like when they're like, hey, should we tell 10? And just like, you know, so they kind of sprinkle it in. But if I had to uh, uh, critique this in any point that like uh, a lot of the times they do a really good job of like kind of presenting their message. Uh, what about, uh, what do you think, Dane?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, um, I was thinking a lot about how um, for the the decom episode of Screen Drafts that you mentioned that I uh guest GM'd or guest commission- commissioned. co commissioned. Um I rewatched Smart House and did not realize how the lead character in Smart House, like straight up like cock blocked his dad and like did not want him to date or get remarried or get laid. And like I get that. It's, I I understand. He's a teenager. But like it's presented in such a way that you don't like that character. I love I did kind of enjoy that Marshall like, I feel like he kind of understood he had a good mom and he struggled with the fact that she was divorced and his dad wasn't around. Um I don't think it's necessarily presented in a super interesting way. I feel like kind of the closest you get to it being sort of interesting is that um Bill Fagerbach plays both Harold and Ted, his stepfather. So you oh, kind of get this like, oh, if he accepts this weird ancient mummy, he can accept his kind of weird stepdad like you know that's that's kind of a loose you know not very well thought out thread so yeah i would agree like that wasn't my my favorite part um again i just still i again 16 minutes until we learn amy's name i just it was a little disrespectful to me i i needed to know her name a little bit sooner um and yeah i i I would agree to but i think the third act um kind of falls a little flat um there's kind of some fun stuff um, at one point, uh, the weird adult character who's following them around, Bruce, like, body slams one of Kubot's uh, lackeys, and that was just kind of weird and fu- I don't know. Like, it, again, it was just like, I, I imagine if this movie had been made, like, two years later, it would have just been, like, a CGI mess in the fact that instead we have, like, actual mummy running around, actual weird adult man body slamming goons. Like, I just find it kind of charming, and again, I mentioned it before, you know, if I'm going to the theater, and I'm seeing this movie, and the credits roll, and it's, like, directed by David Fincher, I'm gonna hold it to a different standard. But this movie was likely shot in Canada in 1996, um, you know, by the Walt Disney Studios television team. Like, there's just a different <laughs> level of criticism you bring to it, and, you know, mm-hmm. is, is this, you know, The Mummy... 1990, when was the, when was the Brendan Fraser mummy? Was that ninety nine, ninety nine? 1999? 99? 99? 99. You know, th- I'm, it, this isn't, is, is this the mummy of the DCOMs? Probably. And, you know, if, if I'm going to go to bat artistically for one of those movies, it's probably not going to be under wraps. But for what it is, it is a very good time. And I feel like, uh, any kind of like critique you could bring to it, you just kind of have to take it, take it with a grain of salt. Because at the end of the day, it's very harmless and very
1: fun and very enjoyable yeah I mean and I and I, we weren't even to final thoughts yet but that's actually a really good wrap-up so um I do want to um you know any other final thoughts you have and uh what are we gonna do our rating out of five for this one Garrett
0: uh, probably sarcophagus-i, Sarcophagus. Sigh? Sar- sarcophagi. <laughs> sarcophagi, yeah, that sounds... <laughs> um, uh, sarcophagi, I hardly even know him. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, uh, I see you. That- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I think for, you know, these, these Disney Channel original movies definitely... Uh, have a, a a certain purpose have a certain uh niche in regards to just a lot of people's sh- uh, childhoods were mostly shown uh, uh, seasonally during certain times of the year I think the holiday ones are the ones that I think uh people who were kids around this time uh, I think all of us included remember the most fondly uh it's it's less some of the other maybe uh, less you know less less holiday centric especially Halloween seems to be a popular one less Halloween centric or holiday centric. I, I don't think that we'd really care as much about or really enjoy as much but I think with that being said a lot of these movies do have uh, a, a firm message to it give you that warm and fuzzy feelings we had already kind of talked about um, how this doesn't really provide that compelling um, of, a, of a of a big message to you it doesn't really give you that big wallop if it is it's just kind of again just you know not to quote Huey Lewis or anything it's just like the power of love you know <laughs> um, the fact that yeah if you can you can you know learn to have an attachment with this mummy guy and see that he's capable of loving someone for hundreds of thousands of years or whatever, you know. Maybe you can let this this new guy uh, uh, date your mom for a little bit. Um, it's it's maybe not the most compelling thing in the world, but um, I do think that these three kids um, are actually enjoyable to be around. Uh, I really like the uh, the fish-out-of-water story here with the mummy just watching him get into hijinks. Uh, I think the villain of the movie is... Uh, so the reasons as to why they're doing this are, are vague at best and when they are explained I'm just kind of like yeah maybe we should have just left it vague because <laughs> the reason that you were actually doing these things uh, it's it's pretty uh, oddly specific and oddly adult um, but yeah I think that this one is is not in the upper echelon of, of Disney Channel original movies but it's still a lot of fun um, I hope that this does eventually get added to Disney Plus so it can find a new audience uh, but for me yeah I am at a uh, probably a, a, a three, maybe three and a half uh, out of five. sarcophagi. guy. Yeah, I'm 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 there with you.
1: <clears throat> um, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three and a half out of five. I'm gonna take half a point away from Mom's got a date with a vampire because I didn't realize how much Damn. they just kind of copied and pasted. So. Uh, I'm taking half a star away from that one this one's getting three and a half uh and for similar reasons like you said like I really enjoy just like the hangout aspect of hanging with these kids and Harold and them uh doing all the things uh that hospital scene was uh, super fun and I think uh Harold's recap of the the events of him in the hospital to the kids is uh the the pinnacle of his uh performance in the in the movie because he he did the whole thing and it was funny because I was like Hey, I was like, I was actually pretty spot on. And then that's when Marshall's like, you know what? I understood every part of that. Uh, so, um, uh, love a lot of the 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 Harold and the three trio. They had a really nice, fun chemistry together. Um, you know, whether it be. You know picking on each other but then also just like kind of doing their thing they're riding around and getting into bullshit you know like the way that they start off this whole movie is literally because they just want to go in the basement of the house like no other particular reason you know i love how they're they they did not lose something in the basement or like nothing like that it's just like no we were just kind of fucking around and we found out and we found a mummy um so it's a um so it's a good time uh, the the performances are pretty solid and again just uh, the the quality of the the filmmaking quality of it um, really kind of elevates itself against you know some of um, uh, other, Movies you know made specifically for this demographic, um, but it has that signature decom charm because obviously this was the first uh, official one and it, it was a great tone setter, I think, going forward. And, and even if they are trying to erase under wraps uh, 1997 from the record. Uh, you can't, because I think you're, uh, you can watch so many more of these DCOMs and you're going to see, you know, uh, the traces of under wraps in them. Like there's just kind of no way around it. So, so yeah, so I appreciate a three and a half out of five. Uh, did we get your score, Dane? You, we gave your final thoughts, but what's your score out of five?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for Sarcophagi. Uh like I said, just because I think for me I'm grading these on the DCOM scale and I'm not mm-hmm. grading them uh on kind of a I'm not putting on my uh what's the meme with like Tony Soprano and like his little beret. Like that that's not me watching <laughs> these movies. I have like I have like my little child's gesture cap on watching them. So um yeah, I think just be- like I mentioned earlier because I was a little bit more familiar with revisiting things like Halloween town uh, and some other stuff that I just think hasn't aged as well I was just thoroughly delighted by how well this played in 2022 and how funny it was and again I just think that like um uh, I've been gonna mispronounce his name and I was terrified of mispronouncing it this whole time Bill fagerbach Bill fagerbach um looking him up and realizing this man does not have an Emmy. voice acting is like a national nightmare and i think that we need to rectify this as soon as possible i actually think maybe joe biden has a chance at like securing a second term if we can get bill fagerbach this emmy because this is the voice of patrick star he is doing genius physical work as harold and and garrett you kind of got into it a bit like at the end of the day harold just wants to be loved and that's so Beautiful and fun, mm-hmm. and you know, I like, I like, I, I'm fully ready to admit I'm watching this with nostalgic rose-colored glasses. Again, we've covered it. I'm a Midwestern child of divorce, born in the '90s. This shit's right on my alley. So, uh, yeah, for 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 sarcophagi, I think it's Under Wraps, solid good time. I will spend absolutely no time looking at, visiting, or thinking about the remake. Under Wraps, 1997.
1: It's the only one for me. It is the only one, and and yeah, the the these ratings for all the decoms are definitely kind of on their own scale. But you know, there are there are some uh, five out of fives in there though. So that's you know, there there's some bangers that we're not gonna get into in this month. Um, but I'm excited uh, for the next though that uh, I'm excited for the next one that we're gonna get into. Um, but let's go ahead and see what other movies we were thinking about when we were talking about under wraps.
0: All right, here on the Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes playing a fun game. It's called Movie Math. Uh, The rules are simple. Uh, You know it. You just got to take a few movies and add them together, multiply, divide. Uh, You can even subtract if you want to, Uh, all of which just has to equal the movie that we talked about today. Um, So, Dane, what are the movies in your equation?
2: Okay, so I want to preface that I was a theater kid, a show choir kid. So, math, not my strength. But I'm throwing in some division, some multiplication, oh, uh, just yeah. because Set I mean, think I think it. I think it sounds cooler than just adding and subtracting. So, if is this gonna make sense? I have no clue. But here we go. Okay, so um, we're gonna start off with a little Phantom of the Megaplex. That's another decom. Um, we got like the kid adventure. We got the horror aspect. We've got the film love in there. Um, we also have the same mom. Marshall's mom is also the mom in Phantom of the Megaplex. So good to know that they kind of kept, you know, in a lot of ways, DCOM was like the original, like Ryan Murphy, like actor troupe on television. Like they all just kind of pop up here and there and they Mm -hmm. reuse them all the time. So, so yeah, I'm going to, so I'm going Phantom of the Megaplex. We're going to add in a little bit of Halloween Town 2 just because again, you're getting all those costumes. And I think Halloween Town 2 also has like a really, um, Famous big like, everyone's in the gym in their Halloween costumes and you like you were saying Devon, there's that great Halloween costume party scene. So a little bit of Halloween Town too. I'm gonna multiply that by The Mummy Returns, specifically The Mummy Returns mm-hmm. because in The Mummy Returns you get, uh, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz's son Alex O'Connell actually interacting with the Mummy Imhotep. So. Children interacting with mummies thought there was a little bit more in common there with The Mummy Returns. Also, I like The Mummy Returns better than The Mummy. Is that a hot Ooh, take? I don't know. That is a that's, hot take. I mean, for me, I love The Mummy. So, oh. I, I love The Mummy, too. But The Mummy Returns has uh, Evelyn O'Connell action scenes taken to the next level. But that's not here what we're going to it. talk about
1: right now. Here for it.
2: Um. So, like I said, we got Phantom of the Megaplex plus Halloween Town 2 multiplied by the mummy returns again not great at math but we're gonna go with it then finally i'm going to divide et the extraterrestrial because i think that is like the high art version even though et is not pretending to be high art it's just great kind of popcorn blockbuster but it's like the best of what that can be um but i do think you get a little bit of those elements in there you get like The children interacting with this kind of uh supernatural or otherworldly figure um and as delightful and lovely as all the performances are uh in under wraps there don't hold a candle to the child trio in et so i just have to divide that a little bit just to kind of take away a little bit of the heft and emotion but there's still a little bit there so again recap phantom of the megaplex plus halloween town 2 multiplied by the mommy returns divided by et The extraterrestrial for me equals under wraps 1997
1: yeah it checks out it checks out all your work is there it's all in the margin so the the, the math lines (laughs) up um because i can definitely see all those things uh in there um i mine i went a little bit more simple this week just because one uh, i knew et was going to be in at least one of your guys's equations um, and then we've already, um, uh, you know, compared it to mom's got day with a vampire enough. Um, so I'll leave those out, uh, leaving me with, uh, the two ones that, uh, I was thinking of were, um, uh, I see a lot of shades of monster house in this, um, you know, obviously in the trio, um, you know, the, the legend of the house itself and of, um, uh, what's his name in it? It's, uh, something like Knickerbocker or something like that, or, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I really like, um, again, that one also is at the core of it is about the monster and it's a love story. Um, very tragic, too. That flashback scene in that movie is like heartbreaking um if you guys haven't watched monster house in a hot minute but um so it has a lot of those similar things um you know uh you get to see the geography of the town in there as they like you know they go to different locations they go to the arcade they go to the pizza place they um you know they're riding their bikes around doing bike kid shit and i love it um so so lots of shades of monster house in there for me and then i'll multiply that against uh the Lot. Um, as far as again, kind of similar thing, um, with these uh kids, you know, bonding over this, you know, crosstown adventure that they're going on, um, you know, with this, uh, you know, legend and myth, uh, hap- you know, within their neighborhood as well. I had my movie for like the, the kids with a monster and then I didn't write it down and now I can't remember it. So that's what my equation's at right now. Um, and uh, and I did want to respond, Dane, because you were talking about, um, how the the different um uh people pop up in you know disney channel kind of has their like little roster of a uh, go-to people tom virtue dad and even stevens and uh also marshall's mom can get it i had to throw that out there as well so garrett what's your <laughs> math look like
0: yeah, it seems we're all, like, kind of circling similar ideas and similar things that we looked for in other movies, uh, the first of which is, as you uh, had already mentioned, is a pretty obvious one, uh, and that is E.T. You know, you've got the the kids also going through divorce in that movie, too, um, who are, you know, are trying to hide-slash-understand-slash-protect this thing from spooky adults, um, of course, being Elliot and E.T. Um, I also multiplied that by Edward Scissorhands, uh, because I think— Think that Harold and Edward kind of have this innocence to them. Mm-hmm. Neither of them talk very much. Uh, a lot of their their performances are uh, more physical. Um, they're also both kind of the using the the language of a monster. Edward Scissorhands essentially being a Frankenstein, um, and and using that as a way to kind of elicit this uh, emotional response yet also kind of fearful uh, in a in a nice childlike way um, and then I'm dividing that by Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Uh, kind of the rules that we've established here on the show very roughly I, I use that uh, rules with you know <laughs> with a, a bit of an asterisk but uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure I'm using a portion of that movie uh, which is that little montage sequence that we see in that movie to where we see all of the different historical figures just like running amok mm-hmm. um, particularly when we see like Napoleon go to the water park uh, this movie just kind of reminds me of a lot of that where we see Harold just like running around town you know getting into trouble uh, just kind of reminded me of that so yeah when we divide something it's usually like I'm taking like a piece of this movie uh, so yeah this is not a, a zany time traveling adventure but I do think that seeing these things out of time you know kind of in more of a modern context and having that fun uh, again fish out of water comedy from that uh, I I find a lot of similarities between that and Underwrap. So, yeah, I think it's interesting that a lot of us, we kind of arrived at the same Mm -hmm. general ideas, general themes uh, in all of our equations. Ooh, you know another one that uh, I
1: did put in my notes? This wasn't what I was thinking of, but I did have this in my notes. Uh, The scene where they, you know, because they have to keep coming up with ways to have Harold fitting in because like it's funny in the hospital he obviously fits in because they, they think he's a burn victim which I thought that whole thing was hilarious yeah um but then um then they you know go with of course these movies always have the scene of yeah we gotta disguise the monster and go do the thing and the disguise they put him in um I know in the movie uh in Psycho Gorman Uh, I know they're kind of going for like an Alan Grant look uh, when they dress him up, but um, I feel like they were doing a little Under Wraps homage. That's what's going to be in my head canon. Uh, So, uh, PG Psycho Gorman with a little bit of uh, those vibes here in uh, Under Wraps as well. But uh, I had a really good time uh, looking back on this movie. It was definitely the first time i've watched in at least 20 years so thank you dane for picking that and bringing it to us uh where can the people find you on the internet what podcasts you're working on yeah thank you guys for having me
2: on this was so much fun such a delight to uh revisit this uh in a time of year when everyone is focused on uh holiday shit getting into a little under wraps was super fun so yeah uh you can find me on all the social medias. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald, uh, usually tweeting about, uh, you know, whatever I'm watching, tweeting about Timothy Chalamet, all those great things. Uh, speaking of, I host a podcast called Chasing Chalamet, which, uh, has, thus far in all of its episodes, ...dug into each movie that he has appeared in, uh, in addition to his SNL hosting performance toward the end of 2020. 20 Yes, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can listen to all those episodes there. We've covered all of his movies. Uh, we just released a new episode today on his latest film, Bones and All, his reunion uh, with the maestro, the artist, Luco Guadagnino. So you can listen to that. We also did an episode this year uh, on his Kid Cuddy Netflix project called Enter Galactic. Uh, so these, those are the new episodes in the feed. Um, cooking up some cool stuff for the new year that I'm not ready to announce yet, but I would love to keep podcasting. Uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd as well, uh, doing what I do on Chasing Chalamet, which is combining, uh, thirsty, jokey reviews with, uh, high art analysis. That's kind of my, my go-to M.O. So yeah, you can find me on all those fun places and at Chasing Chalamet.
1: Love it. The thirsty reviews on Letterboxd are uh, very fun for me. I do love uh, going through those. So uh, looking forward to seeing more of that and uh, also listen to your Bones and All episodes so we can compare notes as uh, we just did that a few weeks ago as well. Uh, Garrett, what are you working on
0: right now? As always, you guys can find me over on uh, TikTok uh, as well as Twitter um, at Garrett McDowell. Um, I just did a review uh, recently of Violent Night, Uh, so if you want to get into the holiday cheer, you can check out uh, not only that film, but also my review of it. Um, If you want to have some more podcast goodness from me, you can uh, subscribe to my Star Wars podcast, Scum and Villainy. Uh, We've got new episodes every week, and we'd love to have you guys over there.
1: And of course, we always have links to all these in the show notes, guys. And, of course, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Uh, Doing the same old things. Um, I recently popped up on The Pod and Pendulum uh, covering the first Phantasm movie, which was a first uh, time watch for me. So, I'm excited to uh, work my way through that franchise. Um, You can also hear me on Scarred for Life. Uh, We did an episode on Jumanji, which I didn't get to shout out a few weeks ago. Uh, Fantastic conversation. You want to talk about, you know, uh, nostalgia And, uh, you know, kind of getting wrapped up in that, like, a warm blanket. uh, Definitely go check that episode out. And uh, I think you guys might be able to watch this live on uh, the Horror Queers YouTube channel. Uh, I'll be joining uh, their uh, monthly uh, hangout where we'll be recapping, doing a big old panel episode of uh, Best of 2022. Where um, we actually will be comparing a list that we did for our, like, halfway through the year. We, like, did one over the summer. And uh, so we're going to kind of compare those and uh, see uh, which favorites stayed and uh, which uh, favorites uh, came in. And of course, uh, in a few weeks, me and Garrett will have a lot of best of 2022 coming for you. But... Now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.